In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. I was in a meeting recently with, uh, among the others who were there, was a chaplain from one of uh, the Episcopal schools. I won't name it. You'd recognize it if I said it. Uh, and this person was talking about her ministry and the challenges of it. And as she talked, it was, became very interesting to me because she described a world, really, that's quite different from the world that many of us grew up in. She said that in this Episcopal school, about 15% of the students are Episcopalians. She said uh, the rest of the school is made up of uh, quite a few uh, Roman Catholics, uh, Jews, Muslims, and some students who profess to be atheists. And she said in that uh, milieu of, uh, of, of people and faith, that lack of faith or, or other faith, she is called to minister and to uh, present every week a required chapel. She said it's quite a challenge, but I was really taken with the enthusiasm with which she talked about this because she saw this more as an opportunity than as something that was a problem. She said that in some ways she finds it exciting to be a Christian minority where she is uh, doing her ministry. As I thought about that, I, I realized that for many of us uh, growing up in the church and many of us, especially in communities like uh, Concord or Acton or Bedford, the towns around us, you would meet people on the street or people you might be working with, people that you would see in the store and you would assume they're Christians and they go to church every Sunday just like we do. Well, that is no longer the case. <laughs> Things have changed. Some people say that we are in what is called a post-Christian era. And I'm sure some of you are aware that the uh, category of spiritual but not religious is the fastest growing category in this country. And I think also in Europe and in England. Well, today we celebrate the church along with the coming of the Holy Spirit. And it's Pentecost Sunday. The word Pentecost comes from a Greek word which means 50. And it, uh, what it means is, for us Christians, 50 days after the resurrection. You'll recall that after Jesus uh, was resurrected, he spent 50 days, 40 days, excuse me, 40 days among the disciples and followers, continuing to teach them. And then on the 40th day, Ascension Day, he ascended into heaven. The disciples then uh, returned to that, perhaps the same, upper room, where they had gathered with Jesus before his crucifixion. And there they gathered for prayer and they took care of an administrative matter as well. There were only now 11 of them. So they replaced Judas with Matthias. But they were there principally to pray. Now it happened that on the 10th day of their prayer was the feast of Pentecost. And it's not Christian Pentecost. This is Jewish Pentecost. After Passover, 50 days after Passover, it was the Jewish tradition and still is to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. And the Feast of Weeks was in part to commemorate the giving of the law to Moses and the establishment of Israel as a people. And it's interesting if uh, we think about how our own celebration of Pentecost has developed. It, too, is the establishment of a people, of a Christian people. So it, it's hard, I think, for us to imagine Jerusalem as a, not the size city it is today, a much smaller city, but with all of the pilgrims coming in to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. 
Because the Feast of Weeks, unlike Passover, which was celebrated in the home, Feast of Weeks was celebrated in community, with everyone gathering together, and if possible, in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was bursting with all of these pilgrims coming from all over the Roman Empire to celebrate this wonderful festival. Now, the disciples were gathered in that upper room. And you know from the reading that we had from Acts that this was going to be a very special Feast of Weeks celebration. This would not be just any other Pentecost, because this time not only the pilgrims came, but the Holy Spirit came. And as the disciples were gathered there, it was as though a great rush of wind came into that room. And it says that the tongues of fire settled upon each one of them. And then they started to proclaim the gospel in the languages of the people who had gathered. Now, some were astonished in a positive way. Some were astonished thinking these folks are just plain drunk. They have gotten into the new wine. And then Peter stands up. And he gives perhaps his first sermon and certainly one of the best sermons he ever gave. And he denied that and said, this is something completely different. And he went on to to explain the power of God. And 3000 people joined the faith that day. Uh, There aren't many of us who can claim that from our preaching. (laughs) We tend to drive away people rather than draw them near sometimes. I think it's important for us to realize that Pentecost and what happened on Pentecost happened to a group of Jews who were gathered for a Jewish festival. This was a sect of Judaism at that point. So for us to call it the birthday of the church is a little bit of a stretch. But what we can certainly say is that it was the beginning of the church. It was that place where that nascent Christian group came together and understood themselves perhaps for the first time in a little different way. The interesting thing to me is that the faith spread not so much from Jerusalem as from Antioch. Antioch is the the first place that this group are named as Christians. And Antioch becomes the center for missionary work that goes out through Asia Minor, eventually to Greece and to Rome. And it wasn't the twelve who were the missionaries, but rather it was those who were on the outside, on the edge, Paul and Barnabas among them. The church grew from Antioch, and we should never forget that. Antioch should hold a very special place for us as Christians, as the beginning of what we now, 2,000 years later, can celebrate as this great faith and this great tradition. For those of you who might wonder where Antioch is, it's located in present-day Turkey uh, near the Syrian border on the Mediterranean Sea. And it was from there that the faith spread in such great numbers. Well, now, if you go to Turkey today, you won't find very many Christian churches, even though uh, Christianity spread so much through Asia Minor. And if you go to England today, you'll find a lot of churches But you won't find many people there on Sunday morning. If you go to Europe, you'll find beautiful cathedrals and wonderful churches, but very few people there on Sunday morning. I think we all need to remember that we are never more than one generation away from the faith not being carried forward. 
So as we celebrate this Pentecost, I think we need to keep in mind that we are the ones who are now given the responsibility to move forward in the world that we live in, a world that's more like the first century than it is like the 20th century, a world where many, many people are secular, have no understanding of the meaning of the gospel. And what we have been tasked to do is to proclaim boldly that God loves all people. God has forgiven all people. God cares for each one of us. God has redeemed the world. In fact, God has redeemed all of creation. Now, it would be easy, I think, for us to uh, become depressed about the possibility that uh, we are in a post-Christian era. But I think today especially, this morning in particular, gives us great reason for hope. We're blessed today with the presence of the children of the parish as a part of the service. And you saw them come in with their wonderful streamers celebrating uh, Pentecost Sunday and the coming of the Spirit. And we're also privileged today to gather with these families who are bringing James, Eliza, and Evangeline for baptism. And we're reminded that we have a great responsibility to them. You know, uh, in that baptismal service, we hear these words that we are asked if we will do all in our power to support these persons in their faith in Christ. And more than once, I've had someone come up to me and say, I'm really troubled by that vow because I take vows seriously and I don't know how I can fulfill it. Well, I think we do fulfill it. Uh, we can always do more, but we are doing, I think, an enormous amount. You have made it possible for us to hire Carol Brady as the church school director, the person who is helping the many volunteers to help form the faith of the children that are a part of our church school. It's because of you that we have the buildings that we have and hopefully a new building that will provide a place for nurture to continue to nurture these young people in the faith. But the other thing that you've done that I think is really perhaps the most important is that you open yourself, this parish and the life we share together to new people who come to us, especially to young families, welcoming them and their children and saying to them that this is a place where you can grow in faith and where your children will be nurtured safely in faith. So on this Pentecost Sunday, 2,000 years or so after what happened in Jerusalem and after Antioch, after Corinth and Thessalonica, after Canterbury and Rome, Iona, and the many other places that were centers of faith from which the faith spread, we now here in Concord are called to be that kind of a faith center that from here the gospel will be proclaimed. The Spirit will lead us in doing that. The Spirit will empower us to declare with great boldness the wonders and the works of God. We give thanks this day for the Holy Spirit and for the church. Amen. Amen.